They said this day would never come. No, we're not talking about the inauguration of Barack Obama, but something perhaps even bigger altogether. The coming together of Sounds Jewish and Islamophonic. This is a joint podcast presented by me, Jason Solomons. And by me, Riaz Akbar. Allahu Akbar. In a way, it's an odd time to be trying this out, just when relations between Jews and Muslims here in Britain and beyond have been sorely tested by events in Gaza. But that's exactly what we wanted to explore, to see how Operation Cast Lead has affected Jews and Muslims both inside their own communities and in their relationships with each other. So, in this month's podcast, The War in Gaza, The View from the Streets. It was sleepless nights, a lot of anguish, a lot of anger, it has to be said. Moodoo, the theatre group that's part Muslim, part Jewish and 100% London. The comedians who relish taking the unfunniest topics in the world and playing them for laughs. Jews, Muslims and knob uh, gags. This is Sounds Jewish and Islamophonic from The Guardian. Relations between Britain's Jews and Muslims weren't exactly cuddly before recent events in Gaza, but the 22 days of violence that began in late December have caused real anguish. We went out among the Jews of Hackney to gauge their reactions following the Gaza conflict, or as the Israelis called it, Operation Cast Lead. I think that the Israeli army had the right to go in uh, due to uh, provocation of the rockets, but I thought that the, uh, it was handled in a rather heavy-handed way. I think it's fair to say that all the ammunition in the Gaza Strip was going to be headed towards Israel, so if there's less of that, then that makes Israel a safer place. I um, left Israel for, for personal reasons, and in a way I think it's not absolutely correct for us who live here in, in England to pass judgment on something that we don't experience every day. And what we hear on the news makes it um, almost almost one-sided, but we don't go through what the Israelis are going through um, and the worry that they're going through almost every day. Well, I'm a British Jew, but I don't think anything has been gained from Operation Cast Lead except a huge loss of uh, face amongst international Jewry. I think for us living in a very mixed community, it's incredibly difficult, even on a daily basis, walking into a shop with Asians... The other day someone said, is your child Muslim? And I said, no, they were Jewish. And I felt it was hard to say that. Well, I have to say, living in Hackney, you know, relations have generally been very good between Jews and Muslims. You know, I'd, I would certainly not shy away from a Muslim person. I would help them, you know, across the street if they needed it. And I would trust that they would do the same as well. At the end of the day, we're all British citizens. And just a matter of streets away, here's how Muslim opinion in Hackney in East London viewed the same Gaza conflict. Post-ceasefire, um, I think we all feel very, very relieved, and I feel particularly relieved, but I think for very selfish reasons, because it was sleepless nights, a lot of anguish, a lot of anger, it has to be said. It's all very well for us to, to, to say that sitting in our cosy armchairs and living rooms, watching this conflict from afar. But the reality is that, of course, the situation is not at all over. Looking at it from the Palestinians' point of view, that the hands, the hands are tied, 
they've tried diplomacy, it doesn't work. They've tried ceasefires, that doesn't work as well. So what, what, what exactly are they expected to do? I mean, they've been suffocated economically. They haven't got medicines there. They haven't got food there. I mean, this is probably one of the most impoverished parts of the world right now. And yet the international community just looks on without really actually trying to change the situation there. It's, it's really sad that the people in southern Israel are suffering in the way that they are. But let's not forget the suffering that the people in Gaza are, are going through right now as well. Well, I don't think the conflict has made us think any different of the, the local Jewish community. When there are local issues involved, Okay, it involves one side or the other, then they will actually support one another. You know, there are planning issues, there are issues about education, and I don't see that changing. The Muslims in Stamford Hill and also in Hackney have enjoyed quite a productive and a harmonious relationship with the with the Jewish community, particularly the Sharedi Orthodox Jewish community as well. I mean, if you look at the Torah and the Quran as well, so many of the of, of the of the of the stories that it contains in regards to the prophets, is the very very similar. And there's a real effort there to actually try and build bridges and to try and strengthen our relationships around the things which do actually bind us, rather than those things which divide us. To shed more light on all of that, we're joined by Alex Goldberg, Chief Executive of the London Jewish Forum. And by Fiaz Mughal, who's a Lib Dem councillor in Haringey and the director of Faith Matters. Alex, let's start with you. Have uh, events of the last uh, month or so impacted on your everyday working, even though you're based in London, have events in Israel impacted on what you're doing? I think so. I think in the last uh, month we've seen in London, well, we've seen in the United Kingdom over 200 anti-Semitic incidents recorded. Uh, this compares with, on average, 500 incidents a year in a normal year. What we've been doing is working with other faith communities and also leaders across London, I mean that in the political sense, to try and bring London together uh, under a banner called United London Stance, which basically says one thing, that we can have our opinions on the Middle East uh, or anywhere else in the world where there's an international conflict, but in this city we will not stand for racial or religious hatred. Fias, how has your organisation Faith Matters responded to what's been happening in Gaza? Well, we've just been involved in putting together a, a letter uh, which has been sent to uh, the Foreign Secretary um, talking about uh, the British government's response, which could be through the airlift of the seriously injured young people in Gaza with one of their parents or both of their parents to Cyprus, to our basis in Cyprus. And we are trying to make the case for that to take place. It's interesting, isn't it, that should events that are 3,000 miles away have any effect on how Jews and Muslims in the UK relate to each other, does it actually have anything to do with us, Fias? It does. It does because there are people who uh, have certain very strong political opinions on the situation in Israel and Palestine. We have a lot of issues here. We know within Jewish communities who have relatives within Israel people that are involved in civil society, even some involved in the military in Israel here. So there are certain impacts that, that will clearly happen within London as well as British Jewry. The other impact is here that the issue of Palestine has been a running sore for over 40 to 50 years now within the Muslim community. Over 30 years ago, I remember going to Regent's Park Mosque and having a lot of leaflets and pamphlets around Palestine, and then it moved on to Chechnya and other, other areas. Now, there is, a, there is a very strong psyche within the, the I would say, the 30-something-plus generation that I'm from that talks about social justice for Palestine, and in a way it's seen as a very core root issue um, that that needs to be resolved if it's for the Middle East crisis or if it's for other, any other matters. So the answer is yes, it has an impact on all communities, actually, not just Muslims and Jews as well. Let me just also move, me on, move on to the fact that I've been, I've been to Israel seven, eight times myself. Mm -hmm. My wife's Palestinian from East Jerusalem, so I regularly go to Israel. The message has to be made that whatever the issue, and we can't get away from the elephant in the corner, as they say, or the elephant in the room, being Israel and Palestine. The issue here for me is an issue of the protection of human rights. Okay? 
That means the protection of human rights, we need to make the case, means the protection of human rights of Palestinians in Gaza, as well as the protection of human rights of those Israelis, whether in Jerusalem, Haifa, or any other place. That comes across to the protection of human rights for Jews and Muslims and other faith communities here. So if a, if a Jew is attacked because they're Jewish, we as Muslims and other faith communities and those of none should stand up and defend and protect them. If I can come in here, I think it's worse than that. Uh, sure, we should be talking, we should be having a dialogue on human li- rights law or even humanitarian law, which is actually what the current conflict would be about. But what I think was much worse here is that a lot of interfaith dialogue in London has been, in quotes, unquote, interfaithy. Um, the the term bagels and barges has come to mind, uh, and I, I know this is based on a book from the seventies. But what I'm what I think we have to do is move away from comparing each other's food types and actually talk about s- real societal problems and real aspirations for those communities. Now that may be societal problems on our doorstep. It may be problems regarding education, housing, welfare, uh, how we provide that for Jewish and Muslim communities, and by the way, uh, other faith communities in London. Interfaith dialogue has become a minority sport within our two communities, within Fires' community and my community. And it can no longer be maintained as a minority sport if we are going to build London together. What I find is that when you're talking about interfaith activities, you know, you preach to the converted. You're talking to people who are the most likely to come on uh, on board with certain initiatives anyway. And it's the people who are protesting outside the Israeli embassy. I went to a couple of protests to do some stuff for the paper. And I noticed that as the evening went on and the demonstration wore on and about sort of two and a half hours into it, the protesters got younger. They were more explicitly Muslim in their identity. So, for example, there was a fairly mixed group when I turned up and then you got younger people turning up and they were Muslim. But also... Then they started talking about Jews and Israel. The focus shifted away from the humanitarian crisis and it started becoming one of religion and down with the state of Israel and kill Jews. And I think that there is a section of Muslim society that equates all Jews with the actions of the Israeli government. And if that's the case, that's a problem. But what I'm trying to say is there are people in the middle ground. There are people that Starbucks got attacked when you were recovering for The Guardian. I'd prefer to see those people in the middle who would not normally engage with interfaith dialogue and would not normally engage with smashing windows at Starbucks to sit down in Starbucks, or if they don't like Starbucks, Costa, and start, <laughs> having, and start having coffee together. How important is it for Jews that Muslims recognise the state of Israel and come to terms with the fact that it exists? I think that Israel is a fact on the ground. I think Israel, is, Israel has existed for 60 years. I think that it would be helpful and useful for, for, for us to recognize the aspirations of two people in the Middle East, uh, and is, a state of Israel, and, and, and the aspirations of an independent Palestinian state. So if I flip that the other way, would it help if Muslims sense that Jews themselves understood the anguish and pain of Palestinians? Jews th- who are a people who've lived in exile think, for thousands of years I think, too. Absolutely. I think there are many that feel that right now. Let's be honest. I mean, you know, there are many that feel that. I'm sure they do. We need those voices that, that, that say that outrightly, as Muslims have been asked before to talk against extremism and to talk about issues of, uh, on other matters. I think people are starting to do that. I think it's important to voice those concerns, both within Muslim and Jewish communities, to say and be frank about our opinions, but to have those discussions. 
And by the way, something that may have a, a deep effect on events in, in Gaza and the situation in Palestine and the and Israel. Uh, the Israeli elections are not far away and the Jewish Community Centre for London has organised an Israeli election night special on February the 10th with a panel of experts and journalists in London and correspondents in Israel as the results come through. It's all happening at Hampstead Town Hall in London. See our website for more details. crew are a group of young Londoners and none of them full-time actors or writers who came together with a shared passion. Dame Theatre, made up of Muslims and Jews, Moo, Jew, see what they did there? They don't sit around having earnest, interfaithy dialogue, rather they get up on stage, they improvise, act and sing, even, as they said of Fred Astaire's audition, dance a little. We went along to see them perform at Kilburn's Tricycle Theatre and caught up with some members. And my name's Salman Siddiqui and I am one of the co-chairs of Muju. We hope to demonstrate that Muslims and Jews, when they do come together, they can be creative and not destructive. And I think that's what our, our shows, um, the arts festival and all our work demonstrates. My name is Warren Mindy. I'm one of the founders of uh, the Muju crew. The premise of the sketch is that we are filming a TV show um, which has a, a member of the, the media who's, who's hosting the show who is really asking lots of leading questions and hoping from his Muslim and Jewish guest to get very explosive answers. So, Alia, uh, tell me, how do you feel being here reconciles with the doctrines of jihad? I really think you're missing the point. As, as, well, I mean, one of the things that's bugging me here slightly is don't you find it slightly hypocritical sitting here talking about art, theatre, when you're occupying the West Bank? <laughs> I'm occupying this chair. <laughs> Well, yeah, I can see, I can see that, but I mean, I think you know. Well, I mean, I think we all know what we're saying here. I think, I mean, how does this relate to you know the real world? What's really going on out there? It's interesting, actually, because that, um, that whole scene was inspired by a journalist who actually came to visit us uh, a few years ago. Uh, I think she's from Radio 4. And she came and, and we were all... And uh, she basically came and talked to us about our group. Also, we thought, however, every question that she posed to us was very leading and obviously trying to draw us into like the Middle East conflict, you know, um, Islamic fundamentalism or whatever. And um, it was just... After that, I guess we were so kind of appalled that she had no interest in what we were actually doing that that kind of became the catalyst and the inspiration for this piece, which is really about exactly that. And it's about, uh, you know, a media hack that is desperate for a story and just cannot see the group for what it is. Warren, uh, obviously being someone of a more privileged background, tell me, how do you, how do you feel um, you've really been able to contribute to this group as being someone of a Hebrew mindset? <laughs> well, I'm not sure that I would describe myself as someone of a Hebrew well, mindset. Well, just something, I mean, how, exactly how observant would you say you were? Say on a scale of naught to ten. Well, I don't know. I mean, I go to synagogue once or twice a year. No, but I, I mean, if you had to say between naught and ten. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm really not sure. I mean, it's a difficult question. To, I don't know how to answer the question. I mean... <laughs> With a number? My name's Georgina. I'm an actor and a trustee. We're all aware of the situation in the Middle East and we all have our personal opinions um, about what's going on. It generally doesn't come into the room. It's not what we're focused on talking about. Um, it may come up in the context of art. Having said that, the conversations do happen in the rehearsal room and the politics does come through metaphorically in the art. Ali Abano and I'm a crew member. That's the one thing I'm grateful for the tricycle for because before when you 
possibly wanted to approach someone about that dialogue. You didn't know them, you were scared of offending them. But now in this room, I have a bunch of friends who know what I'm about. And if I ask them a question, they'll reply. And I think that's taken away like, a lot of stigma, a lot of preconceptions that I might have had. And I think, you know, I agree there should be a state of Israel and there's people living there who are born there and they have a right to live there. And I think that's come about working with these guys. And, and I think those kind of dilute, you know, your views get diluted and you become some somewhere more balanced. We'd like to take this atmosphere to universities to get the students involved in what we're doing because as we know there's Muslim societies, Islam societies, Jewish societies at university. Wouldn't it be great if there was a Muju at every university? So we have really big and ambitious plans. Alex, is that the answer? Muslims and Jews doing stuff rather than just sitting around and talking, playing football, um, singing, dancing, juggling? I think the idea of doing, uh, of creating a symbiosis of art as Muju does is, is a nice idea, but on a more, on a more sort of low level, uh, low cultural level, also playing football. Uh, so do you play football? I, I, I do play football. What position do you play? I, 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 I used to play in goal and got, until I got my finger bent back and... Uh, <laughs> I can no longer run up and down. I did a charity match this w- this year at West Ham, yeah. uh, and uh, it did take me forty five minutes to run from one end of the pitch to the other. Um, but <laughs> there's, there's, the joke, there's the joke that the uh, the Muslim comedian uh, Imran Yusuf makes about the Israel and the Palestinian match, and the Palestinians got a free kick, and Israel brought a wall, but they couldn't get them to move it the full ten yards back. Yeah. I mean, th- th- these th- these things happen. You know, it's very difficult when 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 Jews uh, 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 come together with Muslims. Jason, humour is an important thing, and Muslims and Jews and Sikhs watching me play football is, is important. But, <laughs> but in all seriousness, there are two things that bring uh, young people together in this country. Drink. Three things that bring people <laughs> together. Uh, four things that... <laughs> I meant very young people. Uh, f- football and pop music. So if we can, if we can use our national, our national icons, which is football... And, and music. <laughs> when we have tensions on the street, it isn't between people in their 80s. There don't tend to be people throwing, I don't know, sticks at each other or whatever. It tends that to would be, be funny. I would pay to see that. I'm sure you would, Riazza. But it is hurling mints. But it is people, it is young, young, usually men between 16 to 25. So if we can engage, the, if we can engage people with other activities, uh, break down that misunderstanding, break down uh, feelings of intolerance, uh, and produce some sort of respect, even if it's on the football pitch, mm. even if it's laughing at me on the football pitch, then I think that's a really good thing and it's a good way forward. Now, surely one thing you wouldn't do with Jews and Muslims, given how serious everything is, is to start cracking jokes. These are two groups of people everyone thinks of as extremely touchy. I say thinks of, mind you. No one would actually say that out loud. Oh, no. But here are two comedians who revel in telling Jewish and Muslim jokes, pushing the envelope ever further. If you're easily offended, you may want to turn your ears away now. Hello, I'm, yeah, I'm Josh Howie. I'm a, a Jewish comic. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm a comic who happens to be a Jew as well. Uh, my name is Jeff Mirza. I do comedy uh, from a Muslim slant. I don't do extreme Muslim uh, humour. I do moderate Muslim humour. Um, uh, I do a lot of um, Muslim speed dating shows. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, I think that Muslims, uh, you know, we invented speed dating. You know, going out with a Muslim girl. Hi, how are you doing? Oh, your brother's coming! For me, nothing is, is sacred as such. Certainly something like the, the Holocaust or whatever, that, of course, is not a, a funny thing. And it's, you know, rendered. But at the same time, that, that's not that you can't be dealt with, uh, certainly in terms of my feelings towards it as a sort of third generation Jew after the fact. So I think, you know, everything is open and not just within 
like my community, but within all communities. That for me, comedy is, you know, one of its great functions is that it does allow us to say the unsayable and to get it out there, get people laughing about it, and then maybe we can move on a little bit. Originally, when I started, was uh, there was a there was no Muslim comedy; it hadn't been invented. It was families talking around tables. So for me, it's kind of like work in progress. When I first started, I used to get people with big bushy beards coming, brother, you mustn't do this. This is bad. This is haram. You'll be killed. Uh, you know, um, you won't go to paradise. All these things were said to me. Um, and paradise for me at that time was a bit like, you know, there used to be this bounty bar advert, you know, paradise. And I just think, oh, God, I'm going to miss out on all that. But now I'm reached a situation where those same people are now booking me for shows. I think that's a very positive trend, you know what I mean? Because I think, you know, it's been argued that the uh, the ability of a culture to laugh at itself shows, you know, how mature it is. And... Um, you know, and, and yeah, and Jews, you know, I'm certainly not the first Jew to ever take the piss out of it. But Jews have been sort of self-deprecating. It's part of, it goes back, you know, hundreds if not thousands of years. This is part of what we do and it's part of our mindset. So as a Jewish comic, sort of talking and and uh, opening up certain facets of Judaism, that I'm, I'm certainly not the first and I won't be the last. This is part of what makes us who we are. Yeah, well, they say comedy is tragedy plus time. If you say Gaza, I think they, they'll, they'll be sharp to intake of breath right now. Um I mean, I've talked about the Palestine-Israel thing in, in kind of like a general terms, but, um, you know, there, there's not much comedy in it right now. There's no taboo for me that I won't cover. I will talk about everything. The rule being, is it funny? But look, something like Gaza, of course, it's horrific and, and, and the images and, and what happened. It's such a complicated situation as well. But no, for me, that comedy is like the perfect time to try and get in there and talk about it. And, you know, and I, I do a story in my set, a true story, actually, about how uh, when I was coming back from from synagogue on, on Yom Kippur and I was on the tube. So for the uh, for the Orthodox Jews, that would give me, the, you know, for that, that means I'm a, a reformed Jew because I'm traveling, obviously. on the And uh, for non-Jewish listeners, reformed Jews are different. We only go to synagogue twice a year, uh, Yom Kippur and Christmas. So. Uh, and I was coming back from Sydney and I was wearing my, my yarmulke, I still had it on. And this guy gets on this carriage looking, f- you know, with this bucket asking, you know, for money and whatever. And as soon as he got on the carriage, everybody turned and stared at me as one. Everyone was just like, you know, what's a stingy Jew going to do? You know, is he going to give him any money? And this guy, he went around with his bucket and he went to every single person. And then he quite specifically sort of skipped me out. And, um, and yeah, I could have been, and I was genuinely like upset with it and, and I kind of wanted to show everybody on the carriage something, and this guy as well. So I called the guy back, and I was like, "Look, mate," and I made this big show of it. And I got out a tenner, and I very sort of elaborately, well, you know, put it into his bucket for Hamas. And no, I'm joking. It wasn't Hamas. It was Hezbollah. Um, no, no, I'm joking. It was. It was. Uh, I didn't give any money. But um, you know, so these things, you know, they they can come out, and you can sort of talk about them. But it's not like I'm trying to make light of the situation. But it's just I'm just trying to express. The actual situation itself. You see, as a Muslim person, when you mention Jewish people, you can hear people go, "You know, I did this uh, in Hackney." Who, who's me? No. Well, no, out of Muslim audiences. No, no, no. Sort of uh, just a general audience uh, or mainstream audience. If you're performing to them, in as a Muslim comedian, if you if you mention oh, in Jewish people, and you can kind of hear people go. Oh God! You know what's he going? Where's he going with this? Immediately, I mean, I'm going to. For some reason, I, I have to not like Jews because I'm a Muslim person. You know, they've got they've got the stereotype. Yeah, can I just say so? There's this whole thing that Jews hate Muslims, and that is a total bullshit rumor. I mean, they probably started it. You've got I've got a friend who's half Israeli and half Palestinian, which means he's very careful with money, but he hasn't got any. I like it. I like it. We're getting it. To, for me, I, I you know, I I love. I actually love 
performing in audiences where there are quite a lot of Muslims. To be honest, uh, I, actually, I prefer it to Jewish audiences in some ways because the irony, I think, is, is much more apparent. And and I think, like I say, getting getting people to laugh at themselves and to be part of it, that you're in on a joke together. It's, you know, I know comedy is supposedly about you know, victimization and stuff like that. But there is a way to do it where you're sharing a joke. Because I think at the end of the day, Jews and Muslims, we do have a lot in common. And I think don't think people realize that if you had a Venn diagram and kind of Judaism on one side, Islam on the other, there's a lot in the middle that connects us. We both love beards. We're circumcised. We don't eat pork. And I just think sometimes we should just squeeze them together. We can create this whole new thing and we'll call it Jislam. <laughs> yeah, and together we can wait for the second coming. Do you agree that Jews are inherently more funny than Muslims? I think they are. Yeah, when, you, when I first went on Islam as Phonic, you got very upset because I could have comedians on yeah. the, on sounds Jewish much more. You can get any laughs like in Islam as Phonic. That's right. We, we, look, uh, and you've got to remember, every every Jewish boy, and for the last probably 50 years, every Jewish girl has had to give a bar mitzvah speech and a bat mitzvah speech, and that that is that you know that's a that's performance comedy at its best. Um, anybody that's voices breaking at the age of 13 that has to read biblical Hebrew and then give a speech about how wonderful their parents are at the age of 13. Uh, has, has, got a, has got a real good career in comedy, hasn't it? So we, we do train our youngsters in that field. But I, well, it's I quite a comedy if you need to speak to your father the first time you had sex and try to convey that, look, Dad, I'm growing up in time. That's quite a comedy experience, having learning and living with that in a Muslim Do you household. really want to do that on this show? Uh, I'll try. I'll certainly give it a go. <laughs> I don't know if he's listening. Um, but I'll <laughs> certainly give it a go. Do That's we think the shidduch will work? Could it work? A shidduch, uh, for those of you who a don't shidduch, know. A shidduch, for those of you who don't know, is an arrangement, a, an introduction between a man and a woman, all between Islamophonic and uh, sounds Jewish. That's all we've got time for, I'm afraid, in this month's Sounds Jewish uh, meets Islamophonic. It's been an absolute pleasure. I think we've made some headway, don't you, Riazza? I think we have, but only if the head is covered. <laughs> My thanks to our guests on uh, Sounds Jewish Islamophonic, uh, Alex Goldberg, Fiaz Mogal, and to the sponsors of Sounds Jewish, the Jewish Community Centre for London. This is Jason Solomons saying goodbye and... Fiaz at that saying goodbye as well. Goodbye. Bye. Shalom, shalom. <laughs>